Hello, everyone, and welcome to Global DataPod, focused on what we call edge economies. This is a set of about 30 countries, uh, currently not uh, followed in our uh, flagship Global Data Watch publication, but it is covered on a weekly basis in uh, the EM Edge Data Watch uh, publication. The discussion today will be on three of the GC economies. Uh, and the discussion comes after uh, two of my colleagues, Anatoly and Francesco, visited Saudi Arabia, Oman, and Bahrain last week. It's quite good to have uh, uh, both of you uh, today. And uh, before I uh, open up with questions, uh, let me say a few words about uh, uh, both uh, Anatoly and Francesco uh, to our listeners today. Anatoly Shal is the economist for Russia, Israel, and more recently, uh, he took responsibility for the GC countries as well. Uh, we have Francesco, as I said with us, Francesco Arcangeli, who is covering the entire MENA region. He has been covering the region for quite some time and obviously has been covering the GC countries as well. I think uh, Francesco probably for more than three years now. Let's let's delve into the discussion today with uh, GCC. We know that uh, the countries have benefited from um, very good macro indicators uh, last year. Uh, oil prices uh, have increased. Uh, the, we've seen twin surpluses driven by uh, uh, hydrocarbon uh, output, but also prices. And um, uh, we've seen strong GDP performance uh, in the region, uh, thanks to basically uh, same reasons, oil production mostly. But uh, on a positive uh, outcome, we also seen a uh, substantial increase in uh, non-oil uh, output uh, in uh, the countries in uh, the region and lower inflation uh, than other parts of the world. This is something that we've been highlighting in our uh, EMH Data Watch publication for quite some time, right? I mean, the, this, this uh, economies uh, uh, have pegged exchange rates and those helped uh, quite a bit uh, in uh, maintaining uh, uh, inflation uh, lower. We haven't been in the region for uh, uh, a long time now. Uh, Anatoly and Francesco have been there last week, as I said. I'm like, quite curious to to hear their feedback. So let me start with you, uh, Anatoly. Let's start with the first country that you visited on this trip, which is Saudi Arabia. How did you find uh, the country? I guess this was your first time in Saudi Arabia. So what were your First impressions about the country. Uh, thanks, Nikolai, and hi everyone. Yes, indeed, full disclosure. This is I, I'm pretty new to, to, to the region. My first trip. Uh, so my observations are perhaps somewhat superficial, but here they are. Uh, I felt like uh, the mood on the ground was very upbeat. Everyone is talking about these huge giga projects uh, worth more than half trillion dollars. Um, as you said, growth performance was very strong uh, last year, 8.7%. Uh, it's high compared to peers, high compa compared to Saudi's own uh, track record. I think, well, Nikolai, we covered, uh, we fo have followed CIS countries for quite a while. Uh, and uh, in many instances, when you visit countries in, this, in that region, in CIS, you feel like there is a lot of focus on history. You know, especially in Russia, I guess, and people are a bit backward looking. The, this region, GCC, feels like everyone is forward looking, and especially in Saudi Arabia, 
because everyone is uh, focused on this uh, vision 2030, uh, you know, growth goals, giga projects, etc. Uh, so it was quite a bit. Uh, Riyadh itself uh, feels like a big construction site. Traffic is uh, quite heavy. Uh, I understand partly because uh, women were allowed to drive fairly recently, and you know this added to traffic. And actually, pretty much at every meeting, we were uh, given this number that female participation in labor force increased substantially in just a few years, from 20% to 37% uh, last year. So quite an achievement. So the economy is opening up, uh, opening up uh, the country is changing quite rapidly. Um, so these are probably my first impressions. Oh, that's uh, quite interesting to hear. Uh, thank you for that, Anatoly. So if, if we were to think about uh, uh, growth dynamic uh, this year, I mean, what what should we focus about from, from these projects? I mean, what's what's going to drive growth in the short term. Uh, also, I would think it's important for the listeners to hear if there are any kind of uh, uh, challenging uh, aspects uh, that uh, uh, they should be aware about uh, events taking place uh, in, in Saudi Arabia or, or the things that you, you discussed during this trip. Well, on, on growth per se, I guess it will be, uh, you know, the dynamics will be a little different. Uh, there will be less input from oil um compared to 2022 but there will be probably more input from non-oil economy given the continued uh, investment into into these projects uh and i guess in terms of vulnerabilities and main pressure points it's probably fiscal policy uh obviously uh, on surface uh, they're doing exceptionally well twin surpluses oil prices are high and they're in good shape now uh, but I felt like there is no fiscal anchor, uh, no fiscal rules, and you know the uh, decisions on the spending side are taken more or less on ad hoc basis. And also, obviously, the, in most of the countries now, uh, a big portion of spending or quasi-spending investment uh, have shifted from what was previously done through the budget. Now, now it is done through sovereign funds, so it is a little more difficult to track the, you know, on consolidated basis uh, how much uh, these countries actually invest or spend. Um, so the PIF will be investing a lot, uh, 150 uh, billion um, reals a year, with two thirds uh, channeled to capex, domestic capex, and this will be mostly the neon uh, project. Um, you know, and this will obviously help growth. But the projects and uh, the spending commitments there are quite ambitious. Obviously, you know, the first pillar of the Vision 2030 says uh, an ambitious nation, and these projects are truly ambitious. Some of them make perfect sense to me, like the tourism clusters uh, at the Red Sea. Uh, but the giant one, the Neom, uh, will take a lot of time to implement, and I guess we will need to see whether it brings uh, lots of fruits to, to the economy. But for the implementation period, obviously construction investment uh, will lift uh, the non-oil economy. Uh, on the fiscal situation, uh, I should add that uh, currently, as I said, it's in good shape. Uh, we should not expect much issues from the sovereign, perhaps. They pre-financed uh, last year. 
um, they issued at the start of this year and they are more or less done for the year, but may, they may do some liability management or some prefinancing for the next year, I guess, um, during the year if they find conditions uh, attractive. Yeah, that's quite uh, an impressive uh, story on the positive side, uh, I must uh, admit. Um, let me go now to, to Francesco and ask him about something which has been discussed in the market quite a bit uh, and presented as, uh, to some extent as an issue. I'm not sure it's an issue. And it's about uh, the liquidity tightening, right? I mean, what, what happened, and correct me, Francesco, if I'm wrong, uh, uh, there's been... Uh, quite significant tax payments um, to the government uh, with with uh, uh, cash uh, actually somehow outside uh, the banking system, and that has generated uh, a decline in the surplus of liquidity and uh, required um, SAMA, the central bank, to be more active uh, in the market. Uh, from that point of view, is is this something that should be a concern uh, for the market or for investors? I mean, how, how do you look at uh, the liquidity conditions in Saudi Arabia? No, thanks, Nico. Um, surely this one was a big topic in 2022. So liquidity, liquidity became very tight on local interbanking market. At least a couple of times, uh, it looked like central bank had to intervene back in June and October. Uh, however, these injection of liquidity were kind of short-lived with the, 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 the tracker that we have uh, became in tight once again even even in recent time but you know actually we we raised this question with authorities since we were there and we also asked some local banks and frankly we did not see a major concern from both sides uh, so it looked like the concern was more you know outside the country that within the country so i mean they 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 acknowledge the situation uh, they pretty much say that will be you know, on the authority side, we'll be able to to intervene when needed to ease uh, the, the, the liquidity pressure. But frankly, I don't believe uh, there is a, such an urgency on this side to have a very clear framework or, or a rule, if you like, about liquidity levels or something that I don't think we will see something like this in the in the short term. Uh, so also, you know, on the fiscal side, as you were mentioning, uh, a lot of this liquidity tightness was also related to the oil windfall that instead of being uh, channeled to the to the bank uh, system were kept in uh, in terms of government reserve. So. Even on this side, they they acknowledge that maybe you know some of the government red deposit can be uh, channeled in the in the bank side, but again uh, with no no clear framework and more probably on a, a reactive uh, basis, I guess. So yeah, I mean, I, I probably we won't see much of the change at least you know according to what we we heard on the ground. That's interesting uh, as well to know, and thank you for that, um, Francesco. Uh, I'll I'll stay with you, but let's move to uh, another country uh, in your trip, and uh, let's start with uh, Oman in the group of uh, two countries which are uh, non-ING and kind of seen by uh, at least some of the investors uh, as the weakest link in the region, uh, given uh, various uh, problems that they had after oil prices collapsed. So. Can you kind of do similar to what uh, Anatoly has done earlier on Saudi Arabia and uh, give your impression about uh, Oman and what are kind of, let's say, the, their main challenges faced and what sort of uh, improvement, I guess, you've seen there too. Why? Because, I mean, 
Oman is to some extent uh, a good reform story. So no, definitely. I mean, it's been a good reform story since they had the problem back then. So in the last two, three years, they surely uh, were focused on improving their status, their their macro. And overall, is a positive story. When you are on the ground, uh, you see again uh, an upbeat mood. Uh, but it looks like everyone you talk to, they are quite engaged in this. They, they really want to, uh, to improve the macro situation and what they are doing. Uh, it seems that everyone is on the, on the same page. Uh, similarly to Saudi Arabia, we had discussion both with authorities, with corporate, with local banks. Uh, and again, uh, look like everyone uh, is, is on board. Um, and what is positive, uh, in, in my opinion, is that uh, even though they reach really very good result, just thinking about you know debt to GDP, uh, really the, the the ratio collapse uh, we we are talking about now to having something close to to forty percent of GDP when two three years back a couple of years back we were a much higher level uh, about seventy percent. So I mean the improvement has already been there. Fiscal break-even point has moved much lower uh, and so on, but it looked like they want to continue uh, to, to follow this path, to, to improve even more and not to sit. And, uh, you know, after all, uh, all, all this, uh, all this uh, has already happened. Uh, so that's, that's truly positive. Uh, there is a commitment also. I believe to improve their uh, credit rating status. I mean, the, there is a, a target to uh, return to IG level at at some point in the in the coming years, uh, and to do that, they you know they look like there is a there is a strategy in mind. So overall, I think is a. Is... Would you say that's a realistic uh, strategy to to go back to IG over several years? Uh, I mean, they did already a lot. They deliver already a lot. Uh, what? We have been hearing so you know our continuous uh, you know uh, commitment to, to to fiscal prudence, and uh, I believe it's 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 credible, frankly. And it looks like this this push is also from the top. Uh, that is uh, the, the, this kind. Of, so it's uh, uh, authorities as a whole that are moving in this uh, in this direction. Uh, so they were quite clear that again, as they did last year, uh, surplus if achieved, and it's very likely on the fiscal side, will be again channel uh, to cut down debt, even if they need to, uh, you know, increase a little bit uh, reserve and. Part of that, uh, if left, will be channeled from uh, for investment from the sovereign wealth fund, which is quite active both on the domestic and uh, an external side. So, uh, it looked to me really that there is a plan, uh, it looked credible plan. Uh, so overall, uh, quite positive, uh, positive story in my in my opinion. Glad to hear uh, positive stories. Uh, now, uh, I don't know, uh, Anatoly, is there anything that uh, you would like to add on, on, on one or we move to Bahrain? No, no, I, I agree with everything Francesca said. Uh, I mean, I guess in centralized systems, uh, a person at the top matters a lot and one was lucky to have a, a great leader and in succession of 2020 and after after which all the reform uh, push followed uh, and, it, and it continues i agree there is a very consistent message for you, whether it is state-owned companies for the sovereign uh, the focus is very much on reducing that 
uh, and improving the, the balance sheet, uh, you know, as the first, the first step and then everything else. Um, yeah, good story. No, that there are not many uh, deep reform stories uh, in the EM space uh, these days. So it's uh, quite encouraging to hear about um, Oman. Uh, but let's go to Bahrain. Um, what's the mood there? Uh, what's the story uh, from uh, the discussions you had in Bahrain, Anatoly? Well, um, again, my views are probably a bit superficial, but um, you know, my very simple impression is that Bahrain has a fiscal problem. Uh, it's been the case for quite a while. Uh, they've been addressing it for quite a while as well. But I guess the initial uh, position was so weak that, you know, they're not there yet. They haven't solved the, the problem yet. Uh, the break-even has declined, but it is still at very high levels. Uh, last year was probably uh, in somewhere close to 85, 90 um, um, dollars per barrel for break-even uh, if you take the headline budget numbers. Uh, but actually, if you uh, take the IMF numbers and they uh, suggest that uh, on the general government level, the the deficit is probably, uh, sorry, the budget balance is probably weaker by roughly 5 percentage points over GDP, then the break-even is somewhere at around 130 the they will present the new budget program uh you know budget plan probably within the next one month or so and uh, it will still be you know uh focusing on gradual fiscal consolidation but only gradual and um you know there is still a long way to go to to be on sustainable uh, path i guess one one caveat to, to what I said, the progress has been substantial. One, one example of that is that, for example, the ratio of nominal revenues to recurrent expenditures went up significantly from roughly 15% in the previous decade to closer to 40% now. And authorities would like to move it up to 100% in the very long term. Uh, but this apparently will be a very gradual um, process. So... Uh, they will probably come to the market. Uh, they have a maturity in summer, I believe, and uh, they will probably have to have to issue. We also saw uh, the uh, messaging from Saudi Arabia, and we actually heard the same in, a, in our meetings, is that uh, further support will be contingent on further reforms. Uh, it re relates not only to Bahrain, but to, to all recipients of uh, Saudi support. And it's more likely to come in the form of um, FDIs uh, and investment rather than you know, direct transfers and uh, direct sovereign support. Understood. So uh, that's um, a, a bit of a challenging story, clearly uh, in contrast uh, to the other two uh, that we heard about uh, Saudi Arabia and um, Oman. Uh, Francesco, Anything uh, worthwhile adding from your side since you've been looking at the region for longer and maybe with, with focus more on um, uh, the support uh, from regional partners? Yeah, sure. I mean, let, let, let me highlight that, yes, I fully agree 
there is uh, still uh, a fiscal problem. Uh, however, when we look at financing, we are probably not not too scared at the moment. We know that the, the, the support from the rest of the region is strong, has been demonstrated being uh, strong in the, the last few in the last years, and it will likely continue. Uh, as Anatoly correctly said, uh, partners want to see some improvement, and uh, hopefully we will. Uh, I mean. We will see in the in the in the next uh, in the next budget for the next couple of years. Uh, so it, support will be there. Uh, will be will be uh, reform will be needed anyway. And um, there are some positive. I would uh, would like to to add. I mean, uh, so on one side, uh, I think you know what happened in the show in the in the, the the recent period uh, tourism. Uh, recover quite nicely uh, you know it is an important uh, tourist destination for in particular for regional part in particular Saudi Arabia as this is connected to a causeway uh, the other one is the aluminium sector so actually for Bahrain aluminium sector is very important is one of the biggest smeltering company in the world that is actually in Bahrain and he paid off higher dividends so you know it, that's that's that was a very good story actually in the current account side Bahrain and a double digit uh, surplus and part of that is related to non-oil trade uh, related to aluminium and actually prices are still high so you know at JPM we believe that will continue to stay high to be supportive also I think one of the big story important story was uh, about the attractive uh, uh, try to attract FDI so from mainly from GCC side and as we were saying you know even support from Saudi Arabia for example will be channeled more from um, to FDI but you know they're quite active they are trying to to attract more from GCC again that usually it's a cap pretty much two-thirds of the total, but also from Asia, from Europe. Uh, Bahrain can be important for, for example, for logistics. Uh, and so, you know, they, they, they want really to, to be focused on this. Plus, human capital is a strength. Uh, so government is uh, is actually a, some some good scheme. Uh, so that, that there is an effort to, to, to train people with the right skill. Uh, so this is actually all good stuff uh, probably in the medium to long term for, for growth. Uh, so we see it that as positive. However, as much as we see, you know, this uh, this positive on the medium long term side, we, we see still, as we were mentioning, uh, some more issue on the on the short term and try to uh, you know be um, and, and related to, to the fiscal side in particular. Thank you both, uh, Francesco and Anatoly, for sharing your um, uh, takeaways from the trip uh, to the region today. Uh, thank you to our listeners for uh, joining us. We will continue the series of uh, uh, podcasts on the edge economists, so please uh, stay with us. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserves. This episode was recorded on 6th of February, 2023.